Hey folks, this is P. Bissardo and you are listening to Dimitri on Smoke Free Radio. Hello my fellow vapors, welcome to another edition, the final edition of Smoke Free Radio right here on the VP Live Network, VaporsPlace.com. There are just jerks on the internet who like to talk shit. Ain't that the damn truth, Russ? Uh, welcome to the final episode here on the VP Live Network. We will be talking about that later on in the show because I do have a lot to get to. Uh, a little traveling information this weekend. I will be in Oklahoma, Tulsa, uh, with the Vaping Convention Circuit, one of the best uh, events being held across the country, in my humble opinion. Uh, looking forward to going to Oklahoma. It's the first time I visit the state, although I've heard there's not much there to see. <laughs> Nothing against the people that live there. <laughs> Uh, but I'm looking forward to hanging out because per capita, uh, Oklahoma is, has to be the second or the third largest market in the United States. So I'm really excited to go out there. I know Friday night, Rob Reagan, my good friend, Rob Reagan, what a great guy he is and what a great businessman he is uh, with Vapor Kings has invited me to uh, come to one of his shops and kind of hang out, do a little meet and greet. Uh, and then, of course, Saturday and Sunday, we will be at the VCC in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Excited about that. The following weekend, I will be in Foley, Alabama. <laughs> Full, I'm going to wear a cowboy hat going down there in my cowboy boots. Uh, I will be attending the Razor Vapes anniversary party uh, with Rob Smith and Tammy Smith, his wife. And um, I think that pretty much covers it for this month. Then we have, of course, Thanksgiving. We'll have some Greek turkey in the Vaping Greek household. I do have to bring this up. Uh, because Jake uh, did correct me last week when we were talking about the events. I didn't mention the American Vaping Convention Circuit in Irving, Texas that we attended. And even though this was the first event, uh, there was uh, there was a lot of bad weather that weekend. In fact, one of the exits coming to the event was closed due to high water. It rained the entire time we were there, well, except Sunday, uh, a little bit. Uh, we did have a great time. The, the people there were very, very nice. The event was was in a great location. Uh, but most of all, what I'm really proud of is the fact that we all kind of came together to raise money for the Svada Texas chapter, the state association there, to pay for the lobbyists, which is kind of sad uh, given that Texas has so many businesses and some of the biggest players in the game that we have to struggle to raise money for that lobbyist there, especially dealing with SB 97 and the way that the comptroller has taken it and um, misguided the business owners. A lot of confusion, but the, but the people there have been working very, very hard uh, with a comptroller to to get a ruling in the way that the rule will be enacted, and um, and to do that you have to pay for a lobbyist year round. Okay, we're looking at the FDA stuff, which I will talk about today. But what good is the FDA going to do if in your own state you can't operate, you can't sell your product, right? So it's extremely important to get these state associations formed and funded year round, which is not very very expensive. 
but $40,000, just amazing. We saw a, a couple of companies that uh, personally I have never seen contribute into advocacy step up with some really big checks. Um, and it was just nice to see everybody come together and raise such a great amount at one of the slowest shows that I've been um, for, for various reasons, um, weather being obviously the, the biggest one. But uh, look, there's a show every weekend now. It's very difficult for the vendors themselves, and it's very difficult for the vapors as well. It's difficult traveling. Um, you see a lot of seagulls there, as Jake calls them, and uh, seagulls are, are the people that go hang uh, around the stage when people throw away free shit. Uh, but the truth is that there is a show every weekend now, and it's just difficult to attend them all, and it's difficult to uh, for the vendors as well to travel from, from state and city and city, uh, state to state uh, every, every week uh, setting up this stuff. So they have to pick and choose as well, too. Uh, but I did have a great time, and we did have some amazing dinners as well, too. We ate really, really good. I had a filet and shrimp one night that was just fantastic, and I had Nolan with me from work and and Zach, one of the lab guys, and uh, and everybody treated us really nice. So there you go, Jake. I got it in there, uh, and the most important part, obviously, was raising money. We did raise $1,000 for the American Vaping Association, which was not in my plans, but, hey, it's Gregory Conley. Why don't we uh, raise a thousand bucks for him too, and we put him on the mechanical bull? <laughs> See an attorney on a mechanical bull? That's, that's priceless. <laughs> it was it was uh, fantastic. Vultures, yes, the vultures. Uh, but yeah, the the seagulls was just a perfect perfect example because you ever gone to uh, you know a pier somewhere and you're throwing bread and all the seagulls just flock to you and you see their mouths open up. <laughs> that was that was that was exactly what it looked like. But anyway. Great time in Irving, Texas. So there you go, Jake. I got that in. Uh, we have a lot of bad stuff to talk about. Well, we have something really good that came out today. Well, the first time that I seen it, uh, I didn't know this existed. This is a, a study that was uh, published in the, the Society for the Study of Addiction, uh, and it was it was a study that wanted to to see the cessation benefits of newer generation devices in the vapor shop space. Something, if you remember. Uh, you know, Mr. Uh, we are fucked. Dimitri over here has been saying for the last year and a half. I brought this idea up a year ago where I said that we need to get some data from the vape shops on smokers coming into their places, uh, transitioning them and then monitoring their progress. I mean, that would be to me if we did it nationwide with the thousands of vape shops that were here and we can show, uh, you know, if we can show. 20% cessation rate in vape shops, guess what? We already tripled the cessation rates of the available NRT methods. Isn't that fucking fantastic? If we just did 20% of your customers that came in quit smoking. Uh, but there was a study. It was in a smaller scale done. And the abstract of the study was to evaluate biochemically uh, the smoking status and electronic nicotine delivery systems, uh, the, the use of it and the behaviors of it, uh, among a sample of customers from dedicated vapor stores, these are stores that specialize in electronic nicotine delivery devices. Um, so your average vape shop, right? Uh, a cross-section survey of 215 adult vapor store customers at four retail locations in Midwestern United States. Uh, a subset of participants, 181 of them, also completed an exhaled carbon monoxide, uh, which of course is used to verify if you smoke or don't. 
the findings. Here's the here's the interesting part. Um, most customers reported that starting electronic uh, uh, cigarettes as a means of smoking cessation, uh, a total of 86% using newer generation devices, 89%. Newer generation devices, of course, second, third generation um, from EVOTs, the Atlantis, the subtanks, and so forth. Uh, also interesting enough, they tested the flavor of the liquid that we're using, vaping non-tobacco, non-menthol flavor, 72%, and using e-liquid with nicotine strengths under 20 milligrams per milliliter at 72%. There was a high rate of switching, almost 92% to newer generation electronic cigarettes among those who started with a first generation product, which is why I want those mediocre tobacco electronic cigarettes to remain on the market because it brings more businesses to you and it brings more people to us. Um, so where was I? Okay, so there was a high rate of switching, excuse me, exhaled carbon uh, monoxide uh, readings from the 66%, 66% of the, te- the six, six of the tested sample had quit smoking. Among those who continue to smoke, mean cigarettes per day decreased from 22 cigarettes to 7 cigarettes. People who reported vaping longer, uh, 95% uh, confidence interval, using newer generation devices, and using non-tobacco and non-menthol flavors. Uh, The conclusion, of course, was uh, among vapor store customers in the United States who use electronic nicotine delivery devices to stop smoking, vaping longer, using newer generation devices, and using non-tobacco and non-menthol flavored e-liquid appear to be associated with higher rates of smoking cessation. Imagine that. I mean, really, we didn't have to, you know, uh, go through the study. We could have told you that uh, there wouldn't be thousands of vape shops if this product didn't help uh, people quit smoking. But the truth is that um, these products work. These products work to help people quit smoking. And the vape shop is the dedicated vape shop is the perfect it's the perfect place for a smoker to get and get the support and get the right equipment and get the right flavors and get the right uh, expertise and education on the product uh, for them to help them quit smoking. It's better than any 800-quit uh, line that you will ever call. Believe it. Um, so that was the good news um, that came out today. And, and I'm, I'm a little bit sad that I don't see this story anywhere. I don't. I have not seen this story in any mass media uh, news article or 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 TV or radio. Uh, nowhere. Where, why can't we get this story out there on the public and and let the public decide um, what this product is and how it can help people quit smoking? But what we did have is we had a press release from the FDA. The press release from the FDA uh, announced today that it issued its first product marketing orders through pre market tobacco application pathway. Now. When this story came out, I got tons of messages from vendors and how does it affect us and how does it affect the industry. And directly, it doesn't. Okay, Swedish Match has been applying for this for a while. Uh, their application was 140,000 pages long. Uh, finally, what the FDA says that after the rigorous scientific evidence and all the review that they did, basically they determined that this product can stay on the market it's basically substantial equivalency because the product has been on the market for 8 years here okay so they wanted to change some stuff in in the way that they they make it and the way that they package it uh, and even though the language that they have first submitted on their packaging was not approved so basically you really can't say that your product is less harmful than traditional tobacco which is sad and it's something that we should be expecting to if there's a chance that we ever make it uh, it basically says, okay, well, this product, uh, we determined that it will not 
appealed to kids, which I never thought snus appealed to kids anyway. So you're really not really making a discovery there, FDA. Brilliant FDA. Uh, and also that it's less toxic. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that a product that you do not light, that is not wrapped in paper, and you inhale deep into your lungs, it's not as toxic. Uh, but that, of course, is a specific product orders on this. Uh, it does not apply to other tobacco products. You just want to make sure you clarify that FDA. Uh, the problem that we have with this is that the FDA is going to use this as a tool to show to say, hey, listen, uh, e-cig industry, we know you're going to the OMB now, as we discussed in the last uh, week's episode. Um, we know that you're going to the OMB and you know, you're uh, we know you're telling them that you cannot apply. But look. Look, this pathway works. I mean, we have products on the market that have used this pathway. What they forgot to mention in this press release is that Snooze submitted 140,000 pages in their application. 140,000 pages, folk. This is for one product, okay? And a variation of that product, eight products total. 140,000 pages. I know from the last meeting that I attended at the TMA that the application process cost about $10 million for Swedish Match. But that is not an accurate figure because Swedish Match has been doing scientific research on this product for the last 25 years. They have to have at least $30, $40 million invested in scientific research over the last 20, 25 years on this specific product. So in all reality, for this one application... There's probably between 40 and $50 million invested. Now, uh, I had this interesting chat with this lady from Florida that called me that wanted to get together with vendors, and I told her that the amount of SKUs that you have in your store, if you're going to go to the OMB, it's critical for you to tell them how many products you have. I took a little survey. Uh, averaging stores between 1,200 and 1,600 individual SKUs at your average vape shop. At your average vape shop, between 1,200 and 1,600 individual SKUs. So you can see, so you can see that this path is elimination of this industry. If everything remains on the deeming rule as we predict that it will be, even though we haven't seen it, uh, and the ones that we've seen are not confirmed or denied by the FDA. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. It's impossible, it's impossible for you to comply with this. You will be out of business. The entire industry will collapse. Nobody will be able to, to sustain. Not to mention that if you read the, the release closely, closely, it says that at some given point, if they determine that this product, uh, after it goes under review, uh, changes some things well we see the increase of use from youth or something changes in the marketing of the product we can pull this product any given time we don't have to give a reason to pull it away to pull it from the market uh my good friend steve uh from stevevape.com wrote a really nice article today fda apocalypse uh, fda tips its hand yeah and it talks a little bit about what's the problem with this pathway well we know what the problem is Obviously, financially, number one. Well, let me let me let me backtrack a little bit. The problem is that this is not a tobacco product, and it does not fit the category that the FDA is trying to regulate under. Okay, that is the biggest problem. So, 
But if you look at the authorization process, okay, if you look at what Snus did, if you look at what Swedish Match did to get their product and where they submitted, and I've seen some of this paperwork from the conference that I've been, uh, we're talking about product-specific clinical studies, clinical trials, right? Clinical trials for your individual SKU. Submitting existing science on the subject, that means the good and the bad. You'll have to include bad scientific uh, bad, bad science along with your product application that's been done by the opposition. Uh, here's the best one for me. This is the most ironic for me. Uh, there's also a requirement that your tobacco product, because you will be deemed tobacco, does not appeal to kids. Well, that's pretty ironic given the 90% uh, shitty-ass labels that are on the market today, but that's a different story. You're not even going to get there. <laughs> If you think if you have any idea that the labels that are on the market now will pass this pre-market application, you're out of your mind. Um, laboratory analysis of e-liquid, as here uh, Steve said, I mean it's 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 way it's way too complicated for for the that to meet our product category. Keep it in mind, we are not the the rules were not designed with electronic cigarettes in mind. They were designed to keep new products from coming on the market, and here we come. Technology, innovation, product come into the market that's going to save thousands, millions of lives. And we have to go and file a pre-market application. It is virtually impossible, folks. Um, and in fact, uh, Steve brings up an interesting point here. He says after he saw the, well, what we don't know if it's the real or the fake pathway to pre-market application, which doesn't really make any, any difference, um, he said that after he saw it, it doesn't, he doesn't even think that the big tobacco companies can take this pathway, which, you know, I agree with him. But here's one thing that everybody's forgetting is that they don't have to. Folks, the big tobacco companies don't have to go the pre-market application path. You know why? Because they sell an alternative, and that is combustible tobacco. So they don't give a shit how you get your nicotine as long as they're the only ones selling it. And guess what? They have an alternative. We don't have an alternative. 347-308-8329. Press 1 if you have any questions or comments during tonight's broadcast. Or you can tweet me at VapingGreek, hashtag SmokeFreeRadio. But let's be honest. The MRTP authorization is the end of the electronic cigarette category for everyone. Even for the big tobacco companies. I read this commentary by Dr. Carl Phillips that was really, really interesting uh, that kind of went through this PMTA process of snus. And uh, here's the conclusion that he had, which I thought was, uh, was very well written. So what is this poor agency that wants to prove PMTA is a real option to do? Aha, approve new products that are already mass produced on the market elsewhere by major multinational who can afford the application effort especially when it's in passant, already have an existing market in the U.S., such as that the manufacturer would consider that effort worthwhile, and especially represent only small incremental improvements that no one other, uh, other existing consumers, indeed only highly informed enthusiast consumers, will ever know what happened. No one is going to be attracted by the new products because they are not new, and the improvements are so subtle it will not be noticed. This has absolutely no value as a precedent for real new product applications, but it lets FDA say 
that there's precedent for PMTA approval, and anyone who is genuinely or intentionally ignorant will believe that this means everything is all ready for proper e-cigarette regulations. Well played, FDA. Yes, indeed. Well played, FDA. I think that they... I think that they're smart. I mean, they have 85 attorneys on staff constantly, so obviously they're they're very well uh, informed on what to do. And their timing of this and their timing of this um, is, um, is is pretty smart on their part, especially with what we got upcoming. Um, I want to bring this uh, this consumer uh, this consumer. Um, you know, I've always said if you're a consumer, the best thing that you can do is is go and uh, register to Kasab. Become a Kasab member. It's free. Okay, it's free. They will keep you. Uh, they will keep you up to date with what's happening. They will guide you. It's the only national consumer advocacy group out there. It's the only one. But now we're seeing, you know, these petitions come around, and I've talked about in the past what you know what I feel about petitions. If that's the only thing that you're going to do, that's fine. But I do want to tell you what one of my favorite bloggers said about petitions. I want to bring this up. But I don't just want to play it. It's just just a couple minutes long. This is uh, from uh, from YouTuber Chris Perillo. Question just came in from the live YouTube chat box from a regular viewer on YouTube Live here during TLDR, the Locker Gnome Daily Report. R. Barry Sass, uh, making sure I got the handle right there. Some of your handles are really awkward to read aloud. Uh, Chris, do internet petitions work? Uh, you no. Know, yeah, you could sign some website saying that you agree to something or another, but no. If you really want to make a change, get out and make a change. Instead of just blogging about it, if you blog about it, um, actually contact someone who could help you make that change. Uh, you know, be active somehow beyond just signing your... It takes nothing to agree to one particular topic or another. Chris, do you agree that we should make more money? Yes, I agree. Well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I'm going to sign an internet petition. That'll show them. Sure. Show your support. I have no problem with that. But you're going to have far more of an impact by actually doing something. Impacting someone's life directly. Getting out of the house and away from the computer for just a second and change your life or somebody else's life. Doing this is nothing. No commitment at all. Commit yourself to something. That is going to make a difference. Whatever you decide to do, do it. I have the same problem with people who want me to donate to some random charity. I don't know who that charity is. I would rather donate directly to someone I know who's impacted by one way or another. Because then I know where it's going. I know where my effort's going. Signing some kind of document? It takes nothing. Anybody can do that. That's nothing. Do something. A wise businessman from Canada once said that petitions are poor people lists. So it's basically people that don't have the financial influence on a political... um, scale to change law and and these petitions are basically people that feel that they're doing something now listen my feeling has always been that they're useless however if that's the only thing that you're gonna do sure go ahead sign it if it makes you feel better sign it i'm not gonna bash you for it don't ask me to sign it don't post it on my facebook wall please please don't post it on my facebook wall i'm glad i got a couple people blocked on that but at the end of the day what bothers me is that 
there are some groups of people or some businesses that are taking this and they're promoting it as sign this to save vaping. Those people need to be called out. Sign this or vaping will be illegal. No, shut the fuck up. You're given the impression to your average vapor, especially people that are not passionate like we are and sit there and follow every little damn thing that happens in this industry. You give the impression that the only thing they have to do is sign this freaking petition to save vaping. And that is 110% not accurate. Okay? If that's the only thing you're going to do, more power to you, man. I'll shake your hand. But don't turn to your other person, especially outside our circle. And by outside our circle, I mean the 90% of the vapors that are out there in the United States that have no fucking clue that the FDA is getting ready to ban this product. Don't turn in that circle and say, hey, guys, guess what? I got on the Internet and they said if we don't sign this, vaping will be illegal. No, please don't do that. Okay? That's my thoughts. Petitions are poor people lists. I think that was a really great tag. Um, keep in mind that as a consumer, you are not limited in your power. Obviously, number one, you have to be a registered voter. Okay? It is the easiest and the biggest privilege being an American is being able to vote. And your voice definitely counts when you are registered and you can influence an election. All right? And number two, I'll be honest with you because I've always been honest with you. H.R. 2058 is not going very far, okay? It's not. I'm not saying that it's not going to pass. Don't get out there and say, oh, Dimitri is influencing, telling people that it's... I'm just being realistic. I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> Chances are that it probably will not. It does not have the traction. So get out there and call your politicians, call your representatives. Hell, call the people that are running for office right now. We had a bunch of donkeys. You saw them line up last night on TV <laughs> that are running for president. Reach out to them and express your feelings on this product. Express how it's changed your life. How it's changed the life of the people around you. Make sure there are voters too, by the way. <laughs> you have power as a consumer. It's not that you don't have the power. And that's why I suggest you go to CASA. They will tell you what to do. They will make it easy for you to contact them and put your personal touch in there. Don't be just another press send with this pre-done you know, done document for you. Put your personal story inside. I always feel good about myself when I talk about the way that I, that I quit smoking and um, after trying all the other methods that were available. And ex so far, five years past extended my father's life. So I think it's a good story to put in, in, in a letter that I'm going to send to a politician. Put your personal touch on it. It makes you feel good. Um, switching to the trades association, right? Switching to that that subject because we talked about the consumers and what you can do. Uh, switching to the trade associations, a lot of chatter about Teveka lately. Um, I you know I have my personal feelings on Teveka, but I always try to be fair and honest. I always try to bring all sides of the stories, whether it's good and whether it's bad. And uh, Tveka has a lot of bad. <laughs> there's, there's just no doubt about it. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of idea about a couple of these guys that are that are spearheading this this association, uh, Race Story and uh, and Kickless, I just want to play a couple of clips. And this is, uh, I'll try to set set up everything bef before I, I I play it. But I'm just gonna, this is available for everybody to view on the internet. All you gotta do is use the 
second best invention in the last 100 years, which is Google. Sorry, Apple freaks and iPhone freaks. Uh, But I'm just going to play a few clips for you and just listen to what these guys had to say. Uh, This is from a story on uh, an e-cig regulation that was released back in April when the the pre-rule was released by the FDA. And precisely where do the ingredients come from? They're questions the FDA plans on answering, announcing new regulations. It's been four years uh, of, of, of zero regulation for this industry, which is obviously um, not a very good thing if you're looking for growth and consistency and reliability for, for a particular category. Ray Story, who works for the Tobacco Vapor Electronic Cigarette Association, says the new federal regulations legitimize the e-cigarette industry. Story says four years ago, e-cigarettes were viewed as devices used to smoke illegal drugs. He says the FDA's restrictions put new pressure on manufacturers. They're going to have to obviously provide manufacturing standards. They're going to have to provide uh, information on where the product was made and how it was made. They're going to have to have safety packaging. Um, They're going to have to uh, do age verification face-to-face as well as online. We've waited a long time for this to happen. Lynette Kinnison with Tobacco-Free Florida says there's a perception among e-cigarette smokers that they can help fight the addiction to regular cigarettes. She hopes the FDA's rules will uncover the truth. Certainly people have said that using e-cigarettes is a, a smoking cessation tool. That's making a health claim, and companies should not make health claims without substantial research behind it. We spoke with the owner of the New Leaf Vapor Company by phone, who's still reviewing the 240-page release from the government. Ben Huglet says responsible regulation is welcome to the point that it not limit the accessibility of effective products for adult smokers. Over-regulation would be a step back for public health, citing far fewer health concerns than cigarettes. This former e-cigarette smoker points out tobacco's harmful regardless of how you inhale it. To be honest, we should be moving away from cigarettes instead of just trying to, you know, supplement cigarettes. To be honest, you need to shut the fuck up, really. <laughs> but again, here we go. Uh, Ray, you welcome you welcome the regulations. You think it's going to legitimize this industry. But guess what? <laughs> I think even what you were trying to play with back then in 2014 uh, came and bit you in the ass. It really did. How can you welcome welcome the regulations, especially since you were one of the first people to get them back then? And again, this 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 go around, which I'm going to talk about here in just a little bit. But uh, this is Thomas Kickless. All right. This is uh, this is on uh, on a TV program uh, interview that he gave. Joining me now to answer this question and more in tonight's Q&A is Thomas Kickless, co-founder of Tobacco Vapor Electronic Association. Tom, thanks for joining me tonight. Well, thanks for having us today. I appreciate it. So, Tom, do you think this is the first step on essentially treating e-cigarettes the same way we do regular cigarettes, rating, regulating them in the same manner? Well, listening to your opening, uh, we are actually the principals of the TVCA. We're the ones that brought the litigation with the FDA in 2009 and subsequently in 2010 to have the product regulated as a tobacco product. So, Okay, this is partially true. They were the ones that sued when the FDA was seizing shipments from China, uh, claiming that the companies were selling them as cessation devices. This is absolutely true. But what Kickless forgets to mention is that him and Ray ran out of money. And Enjoy stepped in and took over that case that eventually went to Judge Leon and ruled not really in our favor. It ruled against the FDA trying to regulate these products as medical devices. You're on national TV. 
you ran out of money. Why would you not bring up the fact that Enjoy was involved in that lawsuit? And if it really wasn't for Enjoy, and I know I've been critical in the past because I have to tell you the good and I have to tell you the bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's my way. Always not very popular with some people. But why would you not mention that if it wasn't for Enjoy, e-cigs would now be sold in Walgreens under pharmaceutical uh, prescription. Well, they wouldn't be sold at all. But let me carry on here. Listen to this. It was our litigation that created the path for the FDA to regulate as a tobacco product. Okay. All right. So it was your litigation that created the path for the FDA to regulate this as a tobacco product. And this is something that you're proud of? This is something that you're proud of? By the way, I'm against that Twitter war, uh, Doug. I saw you posted that link. Into that. That's, that's five-year-old bullshit. But anyway, here we go. Let's carry on with Kickless. Prior to the litigation that we why brought. Do you, why did you guys want this regulated like regular tobacco products? Well, you had a choice. The FDA said this is a drug-device combination because you're delivering nicotine uh, via a, a vapor. So nicotine, in their eyes, was a drug. This is a drug device. So they were going to regulate as a drug device uh, combination. And we said, no, our nicotine is derived from leaf instead of tobacco. Uh, so we are a tobacco product. So Okay, so, so basically what you're saying here, and all this, like I said, all this is public. Basically, you're saying that as somebody that believes that this product can help millions of people, blah, 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 let's throw the same story. Yeah, we're doing this to help people's life, whatever. But you're basically saying to the FDA, hey, we're a tobacco product. We're a tobacco product. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, cre let's create a path to regulation uh, as a tobacco product. How did that work out for, the, for you in the EU, by the way? All right. The litigation went forward. Uh, we won the first round. It was appealed. And in December 2010, uh, the court determined that, yes, we were indeed a tobacco product. You know, so that's kind of interesting, Tom. You guys made a decision. Which, by the way, he just lied because he said that the court determined that we are a tobacco product. And that is not the case. That is not the case. The court determined that the product cannot be regulated as a medicinal product by the FDA. That's what the court ruled. It did suggest that the FDA that they might have other avenues to regulate this product, such under the CTP. But the ruling never said that the product will be regulated as tobacco, as you're suggesting or as you're implying or as you might have helped the FDA um, determine to do so. I don't, I don't know that you had a winning decision to make there. By choosing to be regulated as a, as a regular tobacco product, what you're dealing with is popular conceptions that e-cigarettes, for example, have the same health effects as a normal cigarette does. So there's concerns over secondhand smoke, most of which are unfounded. Um, there's even concern over the, 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 the health effects of the person doing the vaping, whereas we know most of the negative health effects on on a cigarette is because of the delivery mechanism because of the smoke in the tobacco not the nicotine it seems like you guys chose a path i'm not saying there was a right path but that led you to this is the funny part even this journalist which looks like uh like a, a long-haired version of Wee herman the guy's just completely clueless on this one even this guy even this guy's doubting the decision to go down the tobacco path. i just thought that was funny I just, I just towards these debates led you toward these well, misconceptions understand there wasn't 
a, a third path. It wasn't <laughs> a path of uh, what happened in the EU, for example. Uh, we lobbied for a year. The EU, it was a medicinal product. The regulation for the EU was this is a medicinal product and this will be on the market. Anything above 0 0.02 needs a prescription. They didn't say, oh, here's a third path. So we uh, lobbied with the EU and stated that nicotine not being a drug, it's not therapeutic, doesn't treat or harm, it's not a drug, this should not be a drug device combination, regulate as you do uh, a, a tobacco product, those regulations are in place. So right. you gave regulators a path to keep the product on the market. It's Bullshit. What you gave, what you gave is the pathway to the EU to eliminate vaping as we know it. That's what you gave. The EU was not a win. I don't know why you keep using the EU and the Tobacco Products Directive as your ace in the hole. <laughs> why are you, is, this, is this what you have for, uh, to pull out of your magic hat is the TPD? Are you fucking kidding me? The TPD is not good. At what point did the TPD become good? And I missed that, that memo. I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to let my, my, my friends over at Vapor Trails and, and, and those guys explain more about that. I've, I've covered it many times on the show. Bullshit. Here's my favorite one. I don't know if this is my favorite one. I have a couple favorite ones, but here's another one. Vapor, this is Ray Story. Electronic Cigarette Association. Good to have you all with us. Ray Story, let me start with you. Um, sometimes in conversation, it's talked of one way, sometimes another. Is an e-cigarette a tobacco product? Absolutely. Um, the e okay. There, do I have to play more? I mean, when 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 somebody asks you, is an electronic cigarette a tobacco product? And the first, and you you according to your press releases represent the vapor industry. If the first thing that comes out of your mouth is absolutely, instead of what all of us. All of us advocates for the last four or five years have been saying this is a technology product. This is not a tobacco product. How the hell you want anybody to back you up, man? You know, at least come out and say, hey, listen, man, you know, it was a different times. You know, we we're selling stick batteries at the time. We thought this is the right thing to do because we thought that we can get a couple of our stick batteries. We never expected you vapors to be so innovative and open up vape shops and take over the industry. We never expected. Why don't you just be honest about this? At the time... The regulations might have fit that model that you had of the stick battery with the menthol and the tobacco flavor. I would accept that. It's, times change, man. Time. I listened to Jeff Hobbitch, which is on the board of Tobacco, and he's a good friend of mine. I like Jeff. I, I, I hate that he has really pretty hair. He does. But I consider him my friend. I don't have to agree with you to be your friend, right? Two years ago, I was in Las Vegas when he was presenting at the ESIG Intelligence Conference where he put a picture of a subomer next to one of those hot rods that raced the quarter mile and basically bashed suboming and said this is what's killing the industry at the time. Obviously, Smoke and Vapor, which is his company at the time, only sold pre-filled cartos and stick batteries, and maybe they were just starting to get into some 10 mil liquid bottles with some clearomizers. But guess what? A year later, Jeff Hobbitch claims that he has the best subbone tank on the market. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a that's subjective. Taste is subjective, right? In tanks, there's no such thing as the best subbone tank on the market. But oh, how times change! You saw that the market was changing. You saw there was a demand for these products, and your company shifted focus. There's nothing wrong with that. Every other industry does it. If iPhone does not 
innovate, it's going to remain stagnant and Google is going to overtake it. And vice versa, if Google doesn't innovate for their customers, people are going to switch to the other. I mean, it's plain and simple. It happens all the time. There's nothing wrong with it, but fucking admit it at least. It is a tobacco product due to the fact that nicotine derived from stem relief of a tobacco plant is therefore deemed a tobacco product. I don't have to explain to you why that what what he said is wrong. Obviously, okay, patch is gone. I don't have to. I don't even have to get into that, right? And that's why the e-cigarette uh, in 2010 was uh, clearly put uh, under the FDA's control. And when you saw these latest proposals for regulations on electronic nicotine delivery products, various ones. Uh, what was your first reaction? Well, the devil is in the details, obviously. But um, I think that we're maybe overlooking some of these potential dangers uh, that, uh, that are lurking when you look at the FDA's proposal for substantial equivalency. Um, that could potentially be a, a deal killer for, for the industry. So I think the regulation is good. Age verification, face-to-face, online, all these safety packaging, uh, ingredients, testing, all that I think the industry applauds. But some of the other issues, like the substantial equivalency uh, aspect of the proposed rule, is going to be an issue. Jennifer Pearson, that phrase comes up a lot in this debate, substantial... All right, so he's saying there, hey, you know... uh, uh, we agree on some stuff on these regulations, but the devil's in the details because there's some stuff, you know, with the regulations and so forth and so forth. But listen, there was another article that I found doing my little Google search. This is from November 12th, and this is not on the Tiveka YouTube. <laughs> this is from KIRO7.com. Uh, it's, uh, it's a news station. Uh, so I want to play this clip. It's, it's, uh, it's about two minutes. I just wanted you to hear the entire story, how it gets to, to Ray's story itself. Okay, listen. If it loads for me, please be good to me. Please be good to me now. All right, let's do this. Let's refresh the whole thing. Now at 11, a Cairo 7 investigation after firefighters confirm an exploding e-cigarette is to blame for this fire in Tacoma last night. Tonight, our Natasha Chen digs deeper into why the devices blow up and what's being done to make them safer. What sparked this huge fire was something very small. She said she was smoking an e-cigarette and the cigarette exploded. That's what she told me. The Washington State Fire Marshal's office told me this was the state, but the Federal Food and Drug Administration has reports of many incidents in the last two years. I found reports to the FDA from people like this. Heard a loud bang. It shot into the hallway of our home and hit the door of our daughter's room. It started a fire in our hallway. Exploded, cracking my upper denture, breaking my upper palate and nose, and igniting my face and sinus cavity. It's warm, but it's not, it's not, I'm not, unable to touch it. Sales associates at eSig and Vapes showed us how the battery is charged by plugging it into a USB port. 100% of everything that we sell has overcharge right, protection. So, but they- so you remember what he said earlier, okay? Well, these FDA regulations, they're not, uh, you know, there's, there's the devils in the details. And a group called the Tobacco Vapor Electronic Cigarette Association say regulation is needed. I'm working very closely with regulatory bodies, the FDA, to build parameters to make sure that we even have the ability to recall products that are not up to speed. Hold on a second. 
Hold on a second. Did he just say that he's working with the FDA to create parameters? Did he just admit that we should blame him for these FDA regulations? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. How can you on one hand tell me that the devil's in the details, and on the other hand you go on national television and you say that you're working closely with a fucking FDA? What the fuck are you doing? Seriously. That is the background. That is the background on Teveka. Okay? Now, they definitely don't speak on behalf of the industry, but there is no doubt that they have a lot of pool. I mean, all you got to do is just look at the list of the people that they're associated with. Uh, According to them, they worked to draft the TBD and, and the way that the TBD was enacted in the EU. That's some pretty powerful shit. They got the pre-deeming regulation, the rules first here in the United States back in April of 2014. According to them, they have these regulations in the possession before anybody. That's a pretty powerful group. Whether you like them or not, and once again, I have to be honest and fair with you, whether you like them or not, they might have some really powerful connections. Do you want my personal opinion? My personal opinion is that Teveka did an oops. (laughs) Teveka thought at the time that they were creating these relationships with the FDA and whoever they have inside there, whether it's Big Tobacco, whether it's lobbying money, whatever they're doing inside there, I can't speak on that because I don't know. I'm only guessing. They did an oops. Like, oh, (laughs) we forgot about this pre-market application thing. Uh... This pre-market, uh, shit, <laughs> not even our own products will be able to comply. So what do they do, right? What do they do? They reach out to try now and open up the gate and create membership, especially at a time when SFADA is going through a reorganization. All the board from SFADA has been dismembered. They're in election process now. They saw that window. They're idiots, but they're a little bit smart idiots. They saw that window, they opened up that window, and they said, well, now we have an opportunity to scare people, let people know that we have some strong connections, and let's bring them on board, let's make them members so they can help us raise money, is basically what they want to do, so they don't run out of money like the first time, and sue the FDA, because the honest God's truth, folks, is the rule will pass. The OMB will not kick back these regulations. They're under extreme political, extreme political pressure. They might change a few things. I'm not saying that the OMB process is going to go to waste. I think that they might change some stuff. But the truth is, we will have a rule. And the only way to be able to fight this will be litigation. Another group was formed, uh, the Vapor Technology Alliance. I told you that's been formed by a couple of the former SPOTA board members. I'm still... Waiting to get more information from them. I've reached out to a couple of people. I had a couple of uh, conversations up at the TMA a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they did tell me the list of their members, and it seems to be impressive. There's another group that's been formed, the Right to Smoke, Right to Be Smoke Free. This is spearheaded by Rob at Cosmic Fog and Vapor Shark. And I don't know if they're going to go national. They're definitely working uh, against Indiana in the litigation now 
uh, on the rules there, on the standards that were created that basically eliminates vaping in Indiana. So I don't know if it's going to be national or if it's going to carry weight. Um, but there's there's quite a few groups form, and and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with uh, with with any of the groups that are out there. Um, even Teveka. Although we have to put on the table the good stuff and the bad, just like we talk about the good stuff and the bad stuff with Fada or Casal or any other association. Nobody's perfect. Look at this young lady. She's been waiting patiently on the phone. 806, you're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. Hi, Jimmy. It's Shannon Sparkles. Hey, Shannon. How are you? I know, I know you've been anxious to talk about Tiveka today, so let's get it out of the way. Hit me. I have. What's up? Um. Okay, so I was on Skype with Paul mm-hmm. Harvey when the call happened today. Okay. And I, I wish I could have been on the call myself, mm-hmm. but unfortunately the, the app for that that website wouldn't cooperate with me. Mm-hmm. But I have I don't think I've ever heard someone lie as blatantly as Ray's story did. I really don't. Well um he he, it's just he can't seem to grasp the fact that individual European Union members can enact before May of 2016. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I took two and a half pages of notes during yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During I, I hear, the same I hear, day. And, and please, please tell me what, what what did you feel? Tell me, tell me some of your notes. I I, I want to hear them. I didn't participate in the phone call because um, I knew what it was going to be. To be honest with you, and I knew there's a replay somewhere out there of the of the phone call itself. But uh, tell me what you what you felt about. Um, he well, okay. For starters, he claimed that certain places had banned e-cigarettes when there was no law banning them. Mm-hmm. He said that they fell under medical regulations pre two thousand twelve, which is completely false. Um, let's see here. What else did I write? Um, he claimed that they had banned from sale in twenty four of twenty eight countries already. Mm-hmm. Um, he also claimed that the European Union required childproof packaging on cigarettes, which is completely false. There's no such thing as a childproof Um, cigarette. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he was, he he made some, some comments about how, about how cigarettes were, were childproof. And John Summers was brilliant in calling him out on that. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was just kind of obvious that no, that's, that's completely false. I, I, I'd never heard someone someone say something so so blatantly untrue when when someone like him claims to have the position that he has and the authority that he has or whatnot it's like he was literally pulling this stuff out of his ass right right and 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 he's been known to do that <laughs> and and i've been around for a long time i actually uh talked to ray story in china uh this past year when i when i presented at the sesmal expo so and he sat down and he talked to me about this revolutionary product that at five minutes into it i was like it was it was like a bad movie. You couldn't watch it past five minutes, like Netflix switch. Uh, but listen, uh-huh. I mean, it is what it is. At the end of the day, and, and we talked about this on Skype a little bit, it's what fits their business model. And that association has been built around fitting their business model. And this is what they've been doing all these years. It's For those of us that have been around uh-huh. for a while, it's not surprising, really. Uh, it's it's a shame that there's a lot of new businesses that have come on the scene the last couple of years that don't know the background of it and are being reeled into that organization. They've gained some membership since the last time that they made an appearance. Um, but 
I don't I don't want to steer anybody away based on the fact of saying, hey, listen, Taveka is, you know, they're assholes. Because guess what? There's assholes in our industry as well, too, right? So we have to put out oh, the yeah, facts. We right. have to put out the facts and let the people make their own decision where they want to join. Do you believe, Shannon, and, you you know, I know you follow Twitter very closely. Don't you think that there are e-cig companies out there, even smaller e-cig companies, that do want to associate themselves with big tobacco or they're looking for the big tobacco buyout? Don't you think that there are some? I'm, I'm, I'm honestly afraid that there are. Sure. Because I feel like... They, they feel like that would be the safe route in, staying the, in, in assuring that they would be able to stay open and functioning. And that scares me to death because, I, I mean, we don't need that. You're right. But the fact remains that there are companies out there like that. So, again, keep things in perspective and put the facts out there to the people. That he's been caught multiple. This is not just the one example now. And that's why I wanted to play these clips, because all that's available. People can do their research. And guess what? If that model fits your business plan, <laughs> more power to you. Go join them. I'm not going to tell you not to go join them. If that's what you want to do with your company, please go right ahead and join them. All I'm saying is that no matter who these groups that are formed out there, no matter what these trade associations, they all have one common goal, and that is to remain on the market because with the existing pre-market application, they're all going to go out of business. You're all fucked. All of you. Tivecas, Svaras, everybody's done. If everything remains the way that it is now. So that doesn't mean that you can't fight next to them or, or if they're going to file a lawsuit, there's going to be another lawsuit fine. It's going to pick you back. It's all going to end up in one jurisdiction. It will happen because ultimately now, even these companies that are on Teveca that a couple of years ago were sigalikes are good and subbombing is bad and open vapor space is bad. Those companies now are selling the same products that we are in order to compete or they'd go out of business. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and yeah, go ahead. I mean, go ahead. I'll admit that over over the last few days, tensions with with TVCA have have been incredibly high on on Twitter. And I know that I've said a lot of things that seemed um, blunt, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. But I mean, you have to understand that I'm incredibly angry at the lies sure. that Ray's telling. I mean, he's 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 spouting absolute bullshit to me and. And it's almost as if he feels as if he's untouchable. And it's, it's frustrating, incredibly isn't it? upsetting. It's frustrating, isn't it? Yes, it makes me <laughs> sick. I mean, during during the call today, uh-huh. Jimmy, this was at this was at one fifteen today. I had a stiff drink poured because I was so angry. One fifteen in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty crappy when when I'm listening to someone spout shit like that, and it makes me feel like I need a drink. I wish I could have a drink at 1.15 in the afternoon. It would definitely bring my blood pressure (laughs) down. (laughs) (laughs) But I agree with you, and it's frustrating. I was so so angry with him at at the lies that he was telling. I mean, you would think that he claims to be involved in all these things in the European Union and the GPD and whatnot, but... He he literally is sounding absolute nonsense that he's pulling from nowhere. Right. Right. It, it's true. It's true. You're absolutely right. And and we played it now. We played all the clips. 
people can listen to him. People can go listen to the phone call if they want, and then they can make their decision whether they mm-hmm. want to support this guy or in this group, or they don't want to support it. Uh, we definitely have a lot of options mm-hmm. out there and more forming every day, to be honest with you. So there's definitely a lot of options for the mm-hmm. businesses to attach themselves to. Yeah, I just, I just, I mean, I honestly hope that, that they can understand that, that, I mean, there, there are people, there are people's lives that are depending on vaping. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, the whole, the whole point of, of the film A Billion Lives, there, I mean, there are so many people that need this and this regulation by the FDA and the prohibition by the TPD is going to destroy this. And there are so many people that are going to suffer because of it. And it hurts me physically. It makes me ill thinking about it because I got a second chance at life because of vaping. Mm-hmm. And I want everyone else to be able to experience the same thing, to get that same chance. And it's almost as if it's being stolen right from underneath us. And it makes it breaks my heart. I need, it really I, does. I need to take you to the OMB. Because when they see your little pretty face crying and telling them your story, there's no way that these FDA regulations will pass, Shannon. Jimmy, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Well, you're absolutely right. And and keep up the good work on Twitter. Uh, whether uh, you know, just stay true to your beliefs. Don't don't back down. And always always speak your mind. And that's what that's what social media is for. That's what that open open platform is for. For us to voice our opinions and make our voices heard with some of these companies or some of these whatever whatever you feel like. That's what the social media is for. And if some people can't take them, tell them to go fuck themselves. How about that? Twitter has has completely changed my life. I know that sounds absurd, Mm -hmm. but it really has. Just a couple years ago, I met my very best friend on Twitter. She lives in Alabama, and she's she's just like a younger version of me. I mean, Twitter has completely changed my life. I have made so many friends on the other side of the world Mm -hmm. that I have so much in common with that I absolutely love and can't imagine my life without. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just... I just, I can't even explain how how vaping has changed me yep. as as a person. You're right, Shannon. Well, we're gonna it's, keep it's fighting. All, we're not gonna give up. It's all real. We're not gonna give up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm gonna let you go, Shannon. Thanks for calling in, and uh, I will see you on Twitter. Be sweet as always. Okay. Or a bit. I enjoy I you. I wanted when you're... to thank you. I want. <laughs> thank. You. I wanted to thank you again for the e-liquids that you sent me. They're oh, absolutely pleasure. fucking delicious. Like, like, oh, my God. I'm glad you like White it. Lotus is a dream come true. White Lotus is the bomb. <laughs> thank you, baby. Have a great day. Oh, evening. my God. I know. <laughs> okay, Bye. sweetie. Bye. Um, Bye. Uh, the, the, I believe that, you know, a little bit of a personalized story at the OMB does not hurt. I, I don't understand. This, that the OMB only takes... Your financials into consideration. I don't think that is accurate. And I talked to Zim specifically about this. And I think that even Azim said, if you look at some of the sections in the OMB that talk about the population as a whole and talk about the health aspect and talk, I think that there is a room in the OMB for a personalized story. Yet it be some of the customers that you've touched. If you can integrate that into your financials and your business model and how your business has grown, I think it's very, very effective. Um, that is, that is obviously just my opinion, but speaking to some people that I've talked to around, they seem to, to agree that 
Uh, it might not be the the only thing that they're looking at, but there definitely uh, is room inside there to put some kind of a, a impact on people's lives. And certainly, if you own a vape shop, you've impacted people's life, man. If you make e-liquid that people vape, you've impacted people's life. If you're a modder that came up with an innovative design, you've impacted people. Because people are using your product to stay off traditional tobacco. How can there not be a personal touch to that story? This entire industry was born out of a personal touch. There has to be some kind of validity. There has to be some kind of a value in that story. You owe it to your customers. I think that was one thing that Pamela Gorman said at one of the meets. That was just fantastic. All of you that own these vape shops, you have that one customer that comes in and cries and holds your hand and says, thank you because you helped me quit smoking. I think that is um, I think that is pretty fantastic. But anyway, back to the investing your money because that's what the title of the show is, right? Investing your money. Um so we have all these groups that are there. We have all these associations. We get their older associations, new associations will be formed. It's very important for you as a business, first of all, to determine the future of your business. Where do you want to go? What is your business model? What is your what is your goal in business? Are you a manufacturer? Do you want to keep distributing? Are you a distributor that's only going to do e-liquid or distributor that's going to do both? Uh, are you just an e-liquid manufacturer? Just the moms and pops vape shops at the, you know, the corner, the corner uh, of, of the neighborhood that, that you're selling electronic cigarettes. Then you have to do some research and see what everyone stands for in these associations. There has to be transparency. You have to ask questions. You have to have your questions answered. Make sure you do your own due diligence. Make sure you do your own stuff, your own research before you commit to give money to anybody. That's what most businesses do in any other industry, right? Before I joined the Tennessee Restaurant Association here in Tennessee, I did some research. Who's their lobbyist? What do they represent? Do they represent my interests? How can they help my business? What are their goals? Do some research. Find the group that best fits you. If you want to invest into an association, do some research. Find what best fits your business model. After you've done the preliminary work, ask some questions. Get your questions answered. And then join it. But once again, <laughs> oh, Dimitri, you're always so negative. Oh, Dimitri, you're always such a pessimist. Oh, Dimitri, we're going to win. I am not a piss. I'm not. I'm a realist. <laughs> I'm a realist, and I'm seeing a deeming rule coming out by mid-January that's going to limit our businesses. So my advocate side is telling you that listen, just go find a group, go find a group that you can attach yourselves. Get being a consumer, get being a business, and whatever level of business that you are that fits your business model. If you plan, by the way, to stay in this business, right? If you're just uh, one of these douchebags that just wants to do a quick cash grab, just uh, just go do, do your shit. You've got, I don't know, about 16 to 18 months. Get out there make as much money as you can. Sell your bullshit products with your copyright infringement and your shitty-ass labels. Just go do it. Do it. I'm, I'm tired of even dealing with you at this point. I'm tired of even focusing my energy on you. You're not even worth it. If you're one of these douches, go ahead. But if you're... The other side that we're talking about, the people that do want to sustain, they, they want to be around, they want to help people quit smoking, then they want their business to succeed. Find that group that fits you. But that's my advocate side. 
my realist side and from a businessman standpoint, my advice would be to save your money for litigation. <laughs> Stop spending your money in places where you're not going to be using it. It's going to take litigation to win this, believe it or not. So that's my advice. That's my personal advice. My advocate advice is telling you that. If you can't do it on your own, attach yourself to a group that will you. But my reality self is telling you, <laughs> put some money in a nice little war chest and keep it to put yourself in that litigation pathway. That is the only pathway that we can win this thing. I'm sorry. That's the truth. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't like it. But I'm Greek and I'm a betting man. And uh, I would believe that, uh, that like most of the times, um, I've predicted the outcomes of some stuff. It has come out true. The rule that is currently at the OMB, um, leaked or not leaked, why it was leaked, why does Tveka have it? I don't know. They must have some kind of a pool. It doesn't really make any difference. I do believe the pre-market application is there. I do believe that the pathway is there. And as long as that exists in the deeming rule, um, we're not going to win. We're all out of business. Everyone. Um, the Wall Street Journal, uh, I gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal the other day, and we're talking about the economic impact this year. Uh, they were asking about, they were asking about how our sales, how are, how are the retail stores doing, what is impacting it. Uh, is the competition hurting? And I told him, I said, no, competition competition is not hurting. There's a fucking place in every corner that sells cigarettes for crying out loud. We've put a dent in the big tobacco companies. A dent. A dent. Oh, we're taking their profits away. Bullshit, we're taking their profits away. We put a dent into them, all right? As long as there's a corner store in every town in this country selling cigarettes, we don't have enough vape shops. So he said, what is the problem? I said, here's the problem. We have public health officials that we pay with our own tax money or the money that they collect from these fucking big tobacco companies that are scaring people, making stories up about electronic cigarettes, and they're deterring smokers from trying them. They have changed the public perception to believe that e-cigs are just as or even worse in harm than traditional tobacco cigarettes. That is what is hurting this industry. If somebody that doesn't smoke and doesn't vape can't encourage a smoker to try vaping, we lost the game, folks. We lost the fucking game. It's not about competition. Competition is good for the free market. Makes juice prices come down. Well, (laughs) unless you're premium. (laughs) Unless you put premium in your title. Competition is good. It's good for the consumer. You can get 200 watts from China for $79 on Fastic. Fuck my life. That's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) That was a joke, by the way. Competition is good. This is what's hurting us. The opposition is hurting us when you're deterring smokers from discovering this wonderful product that we all have discovered. There is no way that the FDA will pass a rule that does not include the pre-market application in the final rule, period. Period. It's not going to happen. So we need to get ready. 
litigation. Attach yourselves to a group of manufacturers that are going to sue. And trust me, there's a lot of them out there. Piggyback and help these groups, help these formation of litigation that's going on right now, help them financially because you're going to need it. My biggest fear in litigation is not litigation itself, it's running out of money. <laughs> that's my biggest fear in litigation. I mean, we have science. We have hundreds of peer review studies. We have hundreds of estimated. By the way, I, I, my shout out, my shout out this week. I've got a shout out. Let me just go ahead and do this real quick. My shout out. <laughs> so, my shout out this week goes to the CDC. I'm giving a shout out to the CDC because guess what? Your data is backing up everything we've been fucking saying. <laughs> if you're going to restrict e-cigs, you're going to increase tobacco use. If e-cigs are around, youth will pick up traditional tobacco. There's an estimated 9 million vapors in the United States. We're using your data. Your data is backing us. Shout out to the CDC. Shout out. You tried, but you failed because you have to put it all out there. We've got 9 million users. We've got 9 million users of product in this country. <laughs> Where the fuck are they? <laughs> it's not the 5% that you see on the internet. It's not. It's not. We have millions of users. Why can't we tell them what's going on? Why don't we get them on the fight? You know why? Because all we do is fucking hand check. All we do is fire back. All we do is call out. All we do is fog Monday, fog Tuesday, fog Wednesday, fog Thursday, fog Friday, fog Saturday. Fuck my life. All we do is hang out with the vape fam. The vape fam. Most overused word, by the way, this year in vaping. All we do is sponsor. Sponsor is uh, another word for uh, give me free shit. And I'm going to manipulate the camera to give you a good cleavage shot. That's what that translates into. What are we doing? We're doing giveaways, raffles, waffles. What the fuck is a waffle? Share, like, tag, bullshit. All we do is coupon codes for every fucking holiday. Even the ones that we even forgot about, there's coupon codes out there. That's what we're doing. Instead of reaching out to the nine million, nine, this is what the CDC is telling us, nine million. Nine million, where the fuck are you, please? <laughs> Come help us, we need you. So I'm not afraid of the litigation per se in itself, okay? I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of running out of money. So if you're a business, put some money aside. It is my prediction, honestly, that, uh, that we're going to need it. I'll be right back. This is the one and only Glitzy Flitzy, and you are listening to the Greek god of sexiness, Dimitri. Hey folks, P. Bissardo, the Greek lover is in the house. You're listening to Dimitri on Smoke Free Radio.
You will not believe what I had to do in Texas with Flitzy and Phil to get that audio clip, by the way. It was not pretty. <laughs> what do you have, Flitzy? Call in. I want to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. Call in. Are you available? I'm going to get to see you this weekend. Um, I was looking back at some of my past episodes and everything that I've done on the internet as far as advocacy goes back. It's all there. Uh, going back to the birth of the vape team. And um, I, I certainly have to to give my appreciation and my thanks to Kevin and Russ at a time where uh, most likely a lot of you were not around. Um, the only really media as far as um, vaping was concerned was Stickham. And Stickham was a great place. Um, it really helped kickstart vaping as a community online because keep in mind there were no brick-and-mortar stores at the time. I remember in my early days hanging out in the Vape TV chat room on, on Stickham and uh, I was fiddling around with trying to debridge 306 atomizers and uh, I'd go inside and get on one of these cams, the side cams, and say, oh, look, look what happened to my e-cig. I don't know what happened. It broke. Somebody help me. And, uh, and you know, not one person, man, not one person was not willing to help you. Not one fucking person would turn you down for help. Um, I think it was, I think it was at that time that I realized that this, this product is under attack. I think the first email that I received on a call to action from Casa very, very early in my, for maybe the first two, three months and get granted at the time, there were not a lot of calls to action. And I looked at myself and I said, man, what do we got to do? We got to do something here with, with, to get the news out, to get the information out and products and try to create a show that, that covers all those topics um, from the meats, you know, because at the time it wasn't every fucking weekend like it is now. <laughs> it was like a meat, you know, local meats and then one big national, a vapor con. Yeah, in October. That was what we we're all looking forward to. But it wasn't every weekend at an expo. It was a little local meats. So we're trying to promote these little local meats. We started here in Tennessee and and um and, and other states and we're trying to get the word out to the people that are watching the show to attend uh the the, the way the, the 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 we wanted to get people out in the public to vape because that online community that we were in was fantastic but it was such a slow process you know we'd grab one person that we randomly found on the internet just like I was found by somebody i think it was amanda by the way, Mandy Cat was one of the first people that I met on the online community that directed me to go to an online show when I had a problem with my electronic cigarette. It was a great median, but it was still that small community. So at the time with Jason Boyce, which is a very, very good friend of mine, uh, and Jamie uh, that used to host on Vape TV, and Jacinda. Does anybody remember Jacinda? What a great gal she was decided to launch this video format of bringing news, reviews, meets, and a little bit of fun at the end. We had the we we were trying to come up with a way of doing giveaways. And generally at the time back then uh on 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 Stickham, uh they would do uh you'd put a number in the chat room and uh and then the host would would draw a random number and then you know, whatever. So that's that's what we did. So we said, well fuck that. We're not going to do that. 
a lot of people abused it. They were like in multiple chat rooms and they were putting numbers inside and they were, you know, hey, we're going to put this number inside and we're going to put it on. Oh, somebody's giving a giveaway in the other room. We're going to go put our number inside there. Uh, but at the time, we felt like we need to get some people on the phone, get them talking, trying to get the public involved. Let's get, let's break out of this little community. Let's make this thing a little bit more public, a little bit more structured, a little bit more more professional, right? Um and, and I took this idea to Kevin and Russ at a time where Kevin looked at me and said, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> he says, we don't do video here on The Vapor's Place. We only do radio. And I said, that's fine because our form of video does not fit that stick cam model. It has to be podcast type. It has to be directed. It has to be scripted. It has to be produced. It has to be constant flow where people can listen to the replays, uh, whether they hear it on audio or they, they listen on the video and keep, keep the... Um, the desire going to listen, uh, but it was Kevin and Russ that that really inspired us, and uh, and I listened to Russ from his Vape TV days and to to do this. So I have to give him thanks, and I have to give thanks to Kevin for um, for giving me the platform here for the last four years and the support uh, to make my my voice be heard. Let me see who this is. Nine one eight, you're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's on here? Hey, what's up, buddy? I'm so excited to see you this weekend. I know. It's going to be awesome. I haven't seen you in a while. It has been a while. Hey, you know, yeah. I was kind of reminiscing this back to Stickham days, and I know you still do shows on Vape TV. You're probably one of the oldest hosts on Vape TV, if I'm not mistaken. I believe I, I might be, yeah. One of the one of two or three um, of the original hosts yeah. back from uh, from the very beginning. You are an OG, bitch. That's what you are. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But this is true. Do you remember back then, though, Flitzy, what we're talking about? Like, this early stages of this online community was really born. I always attribute eSigs to YouTube because I think YouTube is what brought eSigs to. If it wasn't for YouTube, eSigs wouldn't be what they are now, for sure. I would, yeah, I would agree. Um, I, uh, I made my first uh, YouTube video because of eSigs. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I had no other reason to make a YouTube video ever. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> back when we were first starting out, I was like, hey, this is, you know, I mean, because we have like 12 products. And so everybody's kind of like, hey, this is what I've got. And this is kind of what I'm doing. And uh, so people kind of made videos about that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, without YouTube, um, I would agree that, you know, nobody would really know anything about vaping and you know what was amazing at the time is wherever everybody hung out like at the beginning i used to hang out a lot of vape tv so in my videos when i started doing videos on youtube i would mention at the end because it's one thing to watch a video but if you have a question on a product you can't ask the video it's a video so you're going to type a comment and wait for somebody to reply but i always suggested to people to go to stick cam and to go to vape tv that i was hanging at the time excuse me uh, and, uh, and that way, if you have a problem with your e-cig, and e-cigs were so much more simpler back then, right? So we knew, you know, yeah, uh, oh this God. is your problem, this is your solution. There's no, I mean, there was no, you know, oh, <sighs> what resistance, what, is it nickel, is it titanium, is it canthal, is it copper, is it, is it, you know, whatever. We didn't have all that, right? So, but it was a great, it right. was a great median for that immediate attention of bringing, you know, a solution to a problem. And if we didn't have that, I don't believe that vaping would be what it is now. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's it's uh, it's one thing, you know, because we started out, we had, uh, you know, ECF and Vapors Forum and, uh, you know, we had text-based forums and ways to interact with people. But, you know, once we started bringing in video where, uh, you know, people could get on side cams and mm-hmm. people, you know, you could see somebody's face and you kind of make more of a personal connection. Like, uh, 
you know, getting to actually see somebody and kind of, even though it's still, you know, one person's talking and people are typing and whatever, you still kind of make a personal connection by seeing somebody's sure. face. Sure, sure. Um, you remember, you were, you were around when we launched the vape team. What were your thoughts at the time? You probably thought, what are these fucking crazy about? You know, one of the things that I got from the community was, um, ironically enough today that we're having this conversation, but one of the first things that I heard from some of the, you know, the recognizable members of the community at the time is like, uh, what can you talk about e-cigs every week? What can you possibly talk about vaping every week? <laughs> right. It's kind of ironic now because we're getting ready to be banned. Right. But I, you know, I kind of had that vision at the time and I figured that this is going to continue to be a trend and more and more stuff. And when it's science and, and bans and political pressure and, and I just kind of saw it building up. And uh, but at the time, I did get a lot of, you know, kind of a backlash, uh, even though, you know, 112 episodes later, uh, it was it was it was good. But what did you what did you think at the time? I It was. Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> and even now, like it, it can get kind of difficult thinking, like, what can I talk about? I mean, especially in the early days, you know, because right. we didn't have rebuildables. We didn't have, you know, a thousand different mods. We didn't have nearly the things that we did. You know, we had, a, you know a couple dozen juice vendors and everything was being sold online. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, you know, there was a limited number of products for somebody to talk about. And, um, and I was kind of thinking that early on too, like, what can I do? Like, what am I going to talk about right. just week in and week out? Right. And, uh, you know, and that was kind of the, the direction that I went. Like I, I had that point and was like, I've got nothing else to talk about with vaping. I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, things started growing and I mean, there's, you're, there's so much more out there now. I mean, I, you know, I think somebody could talk about a new product every week and they would every never day. run out of things to talk about, but, uh, <laughs> every day, <laughs> it, you know, and I liked, I liked your format. I mean, having four people like it's, it's much different for anybody that doesn't do shows. And, you know, if you have somebody else to, to talk with, you know, if you have co-hosts, like it kind of, you know, I think it adds yes. a lot to a show. Yes. Like, uh, you know, one person doing a show versus a handful of people doing a show or two or three or four, um, because everybody kind of has their own opinions and people have, uh, you know, people have different things to add. Sure, and, sure. uh, I, I think, you know, it was, it was a great idea. You were, you were ahead of your time, sir. Well, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to say it was ahead of my time. I just had this vision about it and, and you had to have chemistry. And I think that all of us, right. all of us had a chemistry with Jacinda, and then later on when Amanda came on board, I think we all had, we brought something to the table. We all had our expertise. I mean, we had Jamie, that was you know the resident geek guy. I mean, anything that you wanted with technology, and he made it happen with that setup of his, uh, which was our, you know, right. one. Of the, I couldn't have done what Jamie did for 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 the vape team, and then we had Jason that had all this knowledge. He's probably one of the at the time was one of the people that vaped since two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. He was an old school vapor. Uh, obviously me with my passion for political and it put a lot of time in it. I mean, 15, 20 hours a week just to, just to get the show ready. I mean, it was a lot of work. <laughs> I have yeah. all the scripts saved yeah. in my Google drive, by the way, from all the shows back then. And I was kind of reminiscing, looking through them today <laughs> and seeing some of the stuff that we talked about back then. And you know when the lava tube came out, oh my god! When the lava tube came out, it was like, what the <laughs> hell happened? You know, <laughs> this is a, this is the revolution of electronic cigarettes. A plastic variable voltage tube was like, I can't believe it was all the hype. Uh, but we did have like an entire episode focused over the lava tube. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know, and I, it it makes me or it makes us sound like uh, like old vapors, and we're like, you know, vapors nowadays really don't know how easy they have it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing, or like hard. 
what you can do in vaping now. Yeah, but it's hard as well, too. You know, I, I think everybody says that it's so easy for vapors now, but it's also so confusing for vapors now because there are so many products right. on the market and there are so many choices and there's not enough people that are spending the time uh, with these smokers to explain to them what everything does. And sometimes this product doesn't work for people. And I think it's the lack of education to the person. I mean, listen, even you, you've been around for a long time. You, we, we had this conversation a month, a month and a half ago when you asked, hey, I want to get what the latest and the greatest tank is. I mean, how are you supposed to know? I mean, you're in vaping and right, you don't know right. what the next, there's, there's 50 <laughs> tanks out there in the, in the market, you know? Yeah, there's there's just no way to to know. I mean, and even now, like I mean, <clears throat> and even you know, if I asked that question three months ago, everything has changed. Right. And uh, it's you know, I I I use two atomizers, and that's it. Like I I I have two rebuildables, <laughs> and that's all I ever bought. And uh, because it's everything kind of does the same. It's just like every you know, there's so many products, and there's so much uh, you know, there's so many or so many opinions about everything, but it all kind of does the same thing and it and it's just narrowing down like what is typically you know the best kind of product for what i want to do and uh and yeah it does it gets so confusing and uh and that that is the part that kind of sucks because um you know like i've seen a lot of resurgence with uh with helping smokers and that's kind of an area where i'm i'm becoming really dumb about because yeah. like i don't know what people use to uh to start vaping now yeah. you know like it's totally different than what we did yeah uh you're absolutely right but at the end of the day this is this is the irony about this so we're talking about substantial equivalency and we're talking about pre-market application with the fda you hit the nail on the head ultimately they all do the same thing we have a battery we have a coil that vaporizes a liquid nicotine solution and we it delivers the nicotine to us in a cleaner method it's all right. the same I don't care which way you cut right. it and slice it and dice it. To have a pre-market application for every one of these products is fucking ridiculous. What should the pre-market application be? Yeah. Electronic cigarettes. It should be one product category, including the device, the tank, and the atomizer, the drip tip, all one product. This is one product. This is what we're going to submit. And everything else does the same, maybe in a little bit different way. But to have to have to go through this entire right. process for every product that we have in the market is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's it, and you know, because I mean, I uh, I get in a lot of arguments about that because people want to say, well, an e-cigarette is a stick battery, and I'm using I'm using an advanced vaporizer, I'm using a mod, or I'm using, you know, I'm like, no, it, it's an e-cig. It's really it's all an e-cig because they all do Absolutely. exactly the same thing. Absolutely, <laughs> and it is what you just said. I mean, it's literally you get a coil, you get a battery, and you get e-juice. And that's what makes the ma- that that's how the magic works. I wonder if we have a legal argument on that. I will have to contact my attorney <laughs> see if we can go that route. <laughs> hey, fuckers, it's all the same damn thing, all right? Whether you put it in a tank, whether you put it in a 357, whether you put it in a 306, whether you put it in a cartomizer, it's the same thing. It's a battery. You press the button and you get nicotine. Shut the fuck up. This is all we're going to do. Uh, it's funny, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Last thing I want to bring up to you is because we talk about these OG vapors and we're talking about this long. This was only five years ago, bro. <laughs> That's not that long ago. Doesn't it feel? <laughs> doesn't vaping? I feel. I feel vaping yeah, years are like it, like dog it seems years. Like it's been so much longer. <laughs> it feels like it was a century ago. I swear to God, it feels such a, such a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you you haven't you haven't changed at all you're still as sexy as you ever were when i first met you at vapor buddy <laughs> oh you such a flatterer 
Well, Felici, thanks for calling in, buddy. It was nice. I'm I'm excited to see you this week, and let's hang out and have some uh, some alcoholic beverages as we always do. Let's do that. And thank you for uh, for everything you've done, by the way. I you know when I I heard it was going to be your last show, I thought I'd have to come in and uh, say hello, give you some shit. (laughs) Anytime from you. So so yeah, we'll catch up, man. uh, It'll be good to see you. Same here. Take care. There he goes, everybody. Flitzy, <laughs> Flitzanu from Vape TV. Tuesday nights at 10 p.m., I think. I'm pretty sure. Uh, catch Flitzy and all his glamour. But going back to what I said about Kevin and Russ, and, and one of the things that, I'm, that uh, brings me a lot of joy in my vaping life, uh, unlike a lot of things that bring me uh, much less joy, is the friendships that I've created. So, having said that, going forward here, uh, Russ, which has become a very, very close. You can say what you want about Russ. Yeah, he's shocking. He's vulgar. He's Russ. Uh, he's my friend. And uh, and I have my friends back all the time. And he has my back, too. I know that. Uh, so, Russ has given me the platform on his show anytime that I want to come on and talk about something important. Uh, I will definitely make an announcement that uh, I will be joining Russ and uh, and talk to you guys. But... Honestly, Kevin and Russ believed in what I was trying to do, and and we went through a lot. The, even the vape team went through a lot. I mean, uh, a lot of goods. We did a lot of good. We 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 had segments where people would call in that were smokers, and we'd send them a kit. We had a lot of great sponsors that would give us kits to give away to smokers. We had the vape wheel, which I thought was revolutionary. Now you see a vape wheel at every uh, vape meet that you're gonna go. Hey, spin that and win something. Uh, but I just liked I liked that 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 digital format of the of the of the vape wheel. It was just a lot of fun, and then it, it was funny because again I'm I'm reminiscing some of these these early days where you know I would hit up Cisco on Skype, and I was like, Hey Cisco, um, you know how the other networks do their giveaways? Check this out. I've got this vape wheel, and I would put it on my screen share, and he like, Oh fuck, that's great, sold. Here, <laughs> here, give you the give you the. Uh, uh, here's some atomizers to give away in your show. And if you like Bruce from Clouds of Vapor, some of the originals, House of Vapor, uh, Mountain Oak Vapor, some of the original guys that were there uh, since day one. It was it was great. And, and it all worked very well for us, even with the, all the, the bad stuff, with uh, Jason with a J-Box and that fiasco. And then and then we had we had the issues with Link, with We Are Vapors. Even through all that, I like to look back and I said, we've got 112 episodes of good content that's still there on YouTube and people still can refer to. I still get messages on some of the science episodes that we did. The first really public appearance of Dr. Farsalinos was on the vape team. And, uh, and that was because I saw the study that he did in Greece. If I was in Greek... Uh, I don't know if this would have been out at the time, but since I was Greek, I saw Dr. Fasilinos at a Greek vape shop that was making a presentation on this this study that he did on the systolic pressure of the heart, and his first appearance was here on the on the vape team, so it was great. And even when the when the video show ended, I felt that I had so much stuff to talk about that Kevin was kind enough to to give me the slot on Wednesday nights to do a radio show, and that's what I've been doing for the past two years. And I've always tried to do it my way. I always try to be fair and balanced, and. Um, I've created a lot of great friendships within the network and, of course, the people that are listening. Uh, I've got a phone call here. 972, you're on the air. Hello, Demi. It's Jake. Hey, Jake. What's up, buddy? Hey, I just wanted to call in real quick. I know you're getting to the end of the end, and I I just want to know what the hell I'm supposed to do on Wednesday nights. <laughs> porn. Porn, Jake. Porn is the solution to everything. Youporn.com. Porn is the answer. Pornhub.com. <laughs> if you need some more help... Private message me. I got some really good sites to help you out, buddy. I appreciate it. You got some good links, right? <laughs> I got some good links. <laughs> but I appreciate you. No, I wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to call in real quick and just say thanks, man. It's been, it's been a fun ride. Thanks, Jake. And man. I know you're busy, busy, busy man. So 
Thanks. Uh, I just wanted to take two seconds to give you a shout out and thanks. Thanks for the last couple of years. It's been awesome. I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks a lot. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be around and, uh, and we'll see from the first of the year if I can get a different, different avenue and try to contribute, but I'm an advocate at heart and I'm passionate about vaping. You know that. So I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I know. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks Just wanted Jake. to shout out Have at you. Have a great evening, and hello to your lovely wife there in Texas. But anyway, so back to Smoke Free Radio, and uh, give us this platform to do. But uh, unfortunately, things happen. Uh, we get busy in our lives. I do have to take care of my health. I have been uh, experiencing some hypertension. <laughs> it's funny because I had this conversation on Facebook with somebody today, and uh, and we were talking about it, and I said, I beat, I beat death from smoking and advocating on this product has made my health deteriorate. <laughs> I think I think this is what the cause of my hypertension is. I can't put my finger on it. I'm not a doctor and I can't medically claim. I don't want the FDA to come down and start using my fucking show as a, oh, look, uh, vaping creates hypertension. Because <laughs> it really does. But I, I do, I do have, uh, I do, I have, uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm experiencing some hypertension lately and, uh, and I have to take care of my health first, and I have to take care of my family first, which is the most important uh, aspect for me. And um, so I, I have to step back a little bit, and, uh, and, uh, but believe what I tell you, that the, 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 I'm not going anywhere when it comes to advocating for this product. I will be on the front lines. I will be taking care of my state association. I will be joining forces on a federal level with an organization. I will be out there fighting. I will be fighting for this product because I believe that it saved my life. I believe it saved my wife's life. I believe that I might get a chance to see my, my, my daughters become brides one day because I quit smoking. And what's more passionate than that? I mean, if that is not your reason to advocate for this product, you shouldn't be advocating at all. It's how it's touched her life. And, uh, and for that, I will always be grateful to this product, and I have to fight for it to keep it around. So that's what, uh, that's what it is. I, I, I hate for you uh, drama whores and those that don't log into the show every week that listen to... Uh, waiting for for you to get acknowledged that there's not a drama story that goes behind this because there really isn't a drama story that that goes behind this. Uh, but um, that's what it is. It is what it is. And uh, I certainly hope you have enjoyed my voice and my opinions over the last couple. I hope you've learned something uh, that would have made it all worthwhile for me. So uh, once again, this weekend I will be in a VCC in Oklahoma. Next weekend in Foley, Alabama. For the last time here on Vapor's Place, this is Dimitri signing off for Smoke Free Radio.